Hi, my name is John Kim. I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth many years ago, and I've been documenting my journey ever since, sharing my life lessons and revelations. I believe in casual over clinical, with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. Hey, I want to tell you about the lab. If you haven't heard, it is wellness. Anywhere you go, you could listen to it like a podcast. Um, they're basically live Zoom classes, but you could listen to them on a run, or you could turn the camera on and engage with them. We have a thriving community of like-minded people trying to live better lives, and it's been amazing. Not only do we have the foundational classes like codependency and and, uh, ch- and trauma and relationships and all that, but we also have a lot of fun classes because it's so hard to make friends as adults, right? So we have tarot card readings, we have soul shower, we have astrology readings. Uh, we're turning wellness into a lifestyle. We're also uh, going to run a retreat soon. So come and hang out with us. Come ride with us. Go to the website to get into uh, the lab and then go download the app. We have a brand new app out with tons of audio. I'm going to give you a discount code um, and this is for a limited time. So if you're listening to this, you could join the lab for only $20. It's like a drop-in fee. For three months, it's $20 a month. Go to tatlab.app. That's tatlab.app. And the discount code is live better. It's case sensitive. So all lowercase, one word, live better. And I will see you in the lab. So this is an experimental episode. I guess all our episodes are experimental. Um, We are in the car. We decided to do a podcast in the car coming home from a uh, quick trip snowboarding. And Vanessa's right next to me. Can you say something? To prove to people that I'm here? That's not loud enough. To prove to people that I'm here? Yeah, you gotta speak louder. John thinks that this is 1985 and we need to yell into phones and recorders for it to pick us up. I wonder if I get it from my mom because my mom doesn't understand um, the internet or technology. She thinks there's string connected from your phone to uh, the phone that she has in her ear. So she is yelling always. She's al- He's always telling me I have to talk louder even when we're recording on the microphones. And I never talk louder and it still picks me up just fine. I want to start with this. Uh, I was taking a shower the other day, and there were three patches of <laughs> there were three patches of hair on the wall. They looked like um, I cannot wait to hear how many other women do this. There are three patches of hair on the shower wall, and at first I was a little bit alarmed. They looked like voodoo dolls made of hair, right? That's how much hair we're talking about. <laughs> and the revelation I had was, so she she what she does is she washes her hair. And then she doesn't want the hair to go down in the drain. I'm assuming that's your hair from yeah. your head, your head, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, hopefully. And um, so she takes the hair from the, the, the drain and she sticks it to the wall. And so when I get out, I take a tissue and I take it out. But I had the baby with me in the shower the other day. And so I didn't have enough hands and then I forgot. Yeah. And now here's my revelation. Um, if I had anger toward Vanessa if I did not like her seeing something like that would make me furious do you know what I'm talking about so like why would it make you furious well because it's like it's you have your you you either see depending on how, on how you feel about someone 
um, little things like that can annoy you, make you angry, or you just dismiss as adorable, right? So like you have your story about the coffee beans. Yeah, but the coffee bean story is something that happened every single day. The hair thing in the however long, three years or whatever that we've been together you, has happened to you twice. That's a little different. I saw it and my initial re response was, oh, gross. And then I was going, I was leaning toward, you know, she forgot to take this out, blah, blah, blah. And then I paused and I said, oh, it's who she is. And then I thought about you and then I thought, oh, that's actually adorable. Do you know what I'm saying? So like it could change. Uh, I mean, it's like the way I put my dishes away. Uh, that could annoy you and you could get really frustrated and angry. Or if you come to a place of acceptance and have, because you have a lot of self-awareness like me. Uh, then... I come to a place of acceptance, but I don't think it's adorable how you put your dishes in the dishwasher. I don't know that I've ever gotten to that place. Well, because you that means you struggle with control and acceptance more so than I do. So this episode is going to be about uh, love lessons. I thought we would pick three love lessons that we have learned um, from our stories, from each other, uh, me at 47 and Vanessa at 46, correct? You can't, you can't see the face that I'm giving him right now. So what would be your first love lesson? If you were to pick one, what comes to mind first? A lesson that you've learned about love. In general or yeah. about you? No, no, in general, life. Love lesson, oh. cumulative in your life. So it doesn't have to be about us. It could be about us, or but it doesn't have to be. It could be something you learned you know, from your first relationship. I don't know. Um, this is a love lesson, but also it translates into other relationships as well. Um, not everyone is going to do everything like you do that's okay. It doesn't make how they do things or what they do wrong. It makes them different people. And my frustration or annoyance with that is more based on my need for control and my, the anxiety that I have when things are not in control or not, you know, specifically the way that I like them to be has nothing actually to do with that person or like ineptitude. Um, that's just a story I tell myself to make myself feel better about um, my inability to give up control. And I wonder if the universe presented me in front of her because if that's something she struggles with, I'm definitely um, going to trigger her because everything I do is uh, unorthodox or unorganized. I, I enjoy taking the long way home. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's definitely something that I've had to work through more with you probably than anybody I've ever dated. That's um, hurtful. It's not meant to be hurtful. It's just the truth. Um, I mean, you even just said about yourself, like, you know that you take the long way home. Um, it's, yeah, but what, what, but what are we talking about exactly uh, besides the dishes? And even the dishes, I stack them nicely now. So, I mean. <laughs> um, I think out of everybody I've dated usually the people that I've had long relationships with in the past or, or serious relationships in the past have been a little bit more on the um, on the spectrum of like control like they've got their own shit with control and they're like hyper organized and of course they're not gonna do everything I like or the way I like it because we're different people but they have their own version of that and you really don't at all so like you are very just kind of like fly by the seat of your pants. Like you've got your kind of own process for everything, which 
I think to the outsider feels almost like no process. I'm not saying that in a negative way. I'm just saying it's just how you live your life. One would actually say that it's a very kind of like free spirited. Um, yeah, free spirited is kind of the word that's coming up way of approaching life, which can in a lot of ways be much better than somebody who's hyper controlling. <laughs> Um, but I think for somebody who's hyper controlling, it can be a struggle. Yeah. So that's one love lesson. Give me, uh, and, and so the, what's the lesson there that you, that, that, that my shit, but the lesson is it's, it's not about the other person. It's not, like I said, it has something to do with ineptitude, right? It has to do with me and my anxiety. So when I get triggered because you don't do something the way that I like it to be done, well, two things, one, I have to really assess is this worth having a conversation about or is this my anxiety around control? And if it's something that I feel is worthy of having a conversation, then I have to really sit down and have that conversation with you and not let it come out in like passive aggressiveness or, you know, flip it comments or whatever. We have um, four hand towels in the guest bathroom. We have two. We have two hand towels, but there's two full size towels that are decorative. Yeah, I so <laughs> I know she, exactly where you're going before you. We have to towels that are quote unquote decorative, so you actually don't use them to to wipe your hands. Every woman knows what I'm talking about. Well, and then we have two towels that you do use. Yep. So, that's a good example of. Now, if I was to use that bathroom, I would wipe my hands on the decorative towels. I don't understand the point of decorative towels. To me, that seems kind of. I mean, I understand that the 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 uh, of having nice towels, so they're not dirty and stuff, but. I don't mean to gender genderize this, but I don't know any man I think that has ever understood the point of decorative hand towels. Well, I mean, so so using, using that as an example, yeah. if I go to the bathroom and wipe my hand on the decorative towel, that would um, annoy her, right? So then you know the the so question is like, where's the middle? I guess because if I use the decorative towel, that's going to annoy you because that's decorative, but if I don't then it's going to annoy me because it's like we have a bathroom with towels that are, that, that are just for looks or certain towels you can use certain towels you can't use which i've never experienced well, in my here's life the thing it does annoy me but it doesn't annoy me because you do it all the time every time i go into the bathroom those towels are all disheveled and messed up it used that, that's not true for it's all the time 80 percent of the time i go into the bathroom the bigger towels the decorative towels are disheveled i don't i rarely use those because i know they're decorative what are you talking about so the old me would have actually found like a lot of annoyance in that the the kind of me now knows that that's my shit okay but that's let me just say you. something real quick the towels on top that are usable yeah. is what i use yeah. and the decorative towels i don't touch so i don't know what you're talking I about i think they get messed up in your usage of the decorative towels okay so now we're talking about how we use a towel <laughs> no, so she has a problem with how i wipe my hands <laughs> Not only does she have a problem with the towels that I use, but in the which the You're manner yelling again. You're yelling again into the microphone. It can hear you. Yeah, but that's my choice. Now she has a problem with how my volume control. You were just talking about you. You know, as a Korean, I yell. That's okay. No, but you can move the microphone microphone away from your mouth, and then you can still yell. So the the volume of my voice, the volume of we when the, the volume of my voice, the, the uh, towels that I wipe my hands on. And then in the in the way that I which I wipe my hands, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's gonna. I think you're connecting dots and making a story in your head about what's happening. But okay. No, that's a slice of life. That's an example. Okay, so that's your one love lesson. What's number two? Um, number two love lessons. Oh God. Um, I don't know how to word this into a love lesson other than just 
the importance, the massive importance of um, speaking up and communicating any small annoyance or resentment. Annoyance is the wrong word because that kind of goes back to what you were saying before where I think you have to be choiceful, is that a word, Um, in are you just nagging or not, Um, more like an actual resentment. So I, I say this a lot in my codependency classes I teach, it's like people ask me, if I'm not good at speaking up, right? Like if I'm somebody who tends to never speak up and just shove everything under the rug, how do I know the difference between nagging and actually communicating something that bothers me? And usually what I say is if there is any resentment at all, even if it's like the tiniest, tiniest amount, if there's any resentment at all attached to what it is that's bothering you, then you need to communicate it even if it feels like it's nagging. And you can say that to that person. You can say to this person like, look, I don't know, this might seem really silly to you and I'm struggling with whether or not it even is valid you know, to say, um, but there's something in this specific thing that's bugging me. And so because it's bugging me, I think it's important for me to bring it up. Um, so anyway, all that to say, love lesson number two would be, holy shit, the importance of actually speaking up and communicating when things bother you before they explode. When's the first time you started doing that in relationships? With you. So I'm your your um, stepping stone in that area. Yeah. I mean, I, I think in other relationships when I've communicated in the past, it's been when I have no other options. So either it's a, a blow up, um, right? So like I, I don't say anything, I don't say anything, I don't say anything until I explode. Or... I don't say anything until it's almost too late to fix, right? So by the time I, I let the person know that something's bothering me, no matter what happens, it, that's it. Like they can't fix it. We can't we can't fix that problem together, which is unfair. And I know that now. Love lesson three, Vanessa Bennett. Oh, you almost said my old last name. Uh, there was a stutter there because she just recently changed her name. Her name used to be Vanessa Smith, mm-hmm. Vanessa Bennett Smith, Smith Bennett. Vanessa Smith Bennett, <laughs> and uh, she took the Smith out. Mm-hmm. Why? Um, I don't know. It's a transitional thing for me. Um, identity. Smith is just. I mean, if we're talking nothing personal at all, to me personally, Smith was a horrible last name because I had my identity stolen like four times before I was like thirty. Um. But Bennett is just, I don't know. I'm more of a Bennett than I am a Smith. I always have been. Um, love lesson three. Oh, God. This is so hard. You're putting me on the spot. Uh, love lesson three. You could hit the ball back and then I'll hit it back to you. Okay. Why don't you do one while I think about my third one? So what's your number one? Or not just, it doesn't have to be like in order, but what's one for you? Love lesson one would be... Um, and actually, I learned this one through our relationship uh, to, is to swim past. Oh, actually, love lesson one would be the um, uh, what I talk about finding beauty in the contrast. So uh, there's a lot of contrast between Vanessa and I. We're very different. Um, and also, we're also the same in many ways, too. We both have horns in our stars, signs. And um, in the beginning, because I wasn't used to the differences, um, it may be judged the relationship made me not want to give it a chance it made me want to run which also then triggered her uh so for me trying to find beauty 
in the differences, right? Instead of judging it, um, that it's okay that people are different. And that doesn't mean that, that, uh, you know, something can't work. Yeah. I mean, I think what's interesting is that out of the, so before you, I had two like serious long-term relationships, right? You're my third. Um, and you are the only one that I did not know from the jump, um, that you were like as into me. No, not as into me as I was into you, but just were super into me. Like you were the only, I think you're the only one I've ever dealt with ambivalence with. So it's interesting because I, I had a knowing, like I knew there was something about you, um, that we were kind of meant to be together for whatever that looked like, however that long it looked like. So I don't know if there was something in that knowing that just made me stick around longer than I would have previously. Um, but yeah, you're the only person I've ever actually dealt with that. So I actually dealt with it instead of being like, fuck off, I'm over it. Yeah, so if she didn't have this knowing, and, and you know what, maybe, depending on what you believe in, maybe that knowing had to do with uh, us having a child together. Maybe that knowing was I'm supposed to have a, have a, a, a kid with him, and you know. Um, but what if, if you didn't have that knowing, you're, basically what you're saying is you wouldn't have stuck around. Right. I think like probably after like the second time I had that unshaky or shaky feeling, um, I would have just been like, this isn't worth it. And I probably would have left. I wonder if you leaving would have been hot to me and then I would have chased you because that's how people are. Well, to be fair, if you want to go there, me giving you, I didn't give you an ultimatum, but I did tell you like, I don't want to do this anymore. I need a week where I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to see you. Um, I think we should be just totally separated for this entire week. I need to think. And you respected that. Um, and then a few days, like almost a weekend, I remember I either called you or I, I think I probably texted you and I said, you know, can you talk? Like, do you want to talk tonight? And your response back to me very quickly was, is this a breakup conversation? And you came over that night and you said, um, I thought I was coming over here tonight for you to break up with me. And I do actually believe that there was something in my difference in that moment was I really was done. Um, and I had like, I, I didn't want to do the back and forth anymore or not really back and forth, but just the ambivalence. And it was in that moment that you actually kind of stopped doing that. I mean, it's come up in other ways, but in, in the massive ways that it was in the beginning of our relationship. So there was something I think in my, like, should I get off the pot in the week that you were, um, contemplating my relationship or your relationship with me, I was desperately searching for someone else and I found no one. That's not true. <laughs> I'm not even going to respond to that. So uh, that's my number one lesson is uh, that um, you can find beauty in differences. So now when I notice uh, our differences, I, don't, I, I try not to judge them. Um, I try to appreciate them. And, you know, it could be anything from, you know, books she likes, movies, uh, banter, humor, um, you know, her perspective on something, anything where you feel like, oh, this is different. I'm not used to this. Now I try to, um, hold it with two hands instead of, um, trying to throw it into the tra trash can. <laughs> mm -hmm. Uh, love lesson two for me would be this idea of swimming past the breakers. I used to think that love meant you have to feel the lightning in the bottle. And, uh, Many of us felt that more so in our younger years 
uh, you know, our teens, our 20s. Um, and I think as we get older, we feel less of that or it's different. What do you think? Yeah, I think for a lot of us, we've had our heart broken um, by the time we've gotten older. And so uh, that initial, at least in the experience I've had personally, but also working with clients, that that like, holy shit, lightning strikes moment for a lot of people has ended in heartbreak. Um, not for everybody, but a lot. And so there's almost fear now associated with that feeling. Yeah, and I have this theory that that lightning is actually dysfunction. I think that the pool... Um, it's not surface related. I mean, yes, you could find someone attractive. I mean, that's just, you know, that's real. But um, the kind of attraction where you lose yourself in someone, the kind of attraction where um, you, you know, you just completely just, you know, disintegrate and uh, you can't stop thinking about this person and you don't, you don't, you never want to leave, leave the, the, the room with this person. Like, uh, like that kind of crazy, sticky love. Um, which I haven't experienced since, you know, probably, uh, you know, twenties. Um, I think that a lot of people mistake that, including myself, mistake that for love. And if that's what you're looking for, chances are, um, it's not love, it's dysfunction. And you're going to get into a relationship that is very rocky and chaotic. And all of that might have worked for you in your twenties. Um, but now that you're older, it's, you're, you're probably going to, um, hate it. You're probably going to, uh, it's going to repel you. Well, I don't know about hate it. I mean, I actually think there's a lot of people out there that are, um, addicted to that kind of drama. There's a feeling in us that if it doesn't feel that way, if it doesn't feel chaotic, then that in itself means it's not love. So, um, I think once you've done a little bit more of the self exploration, maybe you've hate, you'll learn to hate it. Um, well, so for you, it was your, uh, probably college boyfriend that you felt this crazy, you know, um, for me, it was, uh, my, uh, when I was married, Mm -hmm. right. And I was in my twenties. You you were also in your twenties, right? Yeah. Now, have you felt anything since then or has it been more of like a slow burn um, attraction but a different type of attraction or what what have you felt since then that it's been different? I have obviously been in love since then, but the loves, yeah, to your point, have been very different. Um, My my ex-fiance, the love that I felt for him was in this more of like um, as dysfunctional as our relationship was. Um, there was a lot of good too, but the love that I felt with him was this very interesting, um, feeling of safety in knowing that he would never leave. So for me, I think I confused, uh, loyalty with, uh, lasting love, if that makes Mm, sense. Yeah. Um, and safety is probably not the right word because it was an unsafe relationship in a lot of ways emotionally. Like I, I didn't feel safe enough to speak my mind. Um, you know, there was a lot of tumultuous uh, energy between us, blah, blah, blah. But I think it's loyalty. I think I mistook, mistook loyalty for that. And then I think, yeah, I think with you, it was a slow burn. I think there was like a... I think it was a mutual respect thing. I think I um, was very... Um, 
what's the word? Like, like I respected you. I, I, um, I valued your, your thoughts. I valued your opinion. Um, you know, we, we could speak the same language. We can nerd out on some of the same things when it comes to like the psychology stuff and just larger perspectives, soul perspectives, psyche perspectives, um, that I had never really had before. The first love was more of that, like, holy shit, I can't breathe because he's not in the same room with me. It physically hurts me. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And, and, and you know, with that love, enter jealousy, codependency, enmeshment, all of that stuff, right? Right. And with that kind of love, enter, that person leaves and you feel like you're actually going to die. Like, you don't think you're going to survive that person not being in your life anymore, which is ridiculous because we can survive anybody not being in our life. So here's the lesson. Um when we get older, we start chasing for that love because remember we remember what that felt like and that's the love that we want until we realize that that love that love is unhealthy. Yeah. So I think a lot of people by the way, we are home but we're not stopping the podcast. Um a lot daughter comes outside screaming. No, she won't. A lot of people when they get older, um, chase the young love instead of choosing someone that they think is healthy for them. And then they end up repeating old patterns and then they blame it on chemistry. Um, and, and, and this is why my lesson about swing past the breakers, uh, I don't think love or building a relationship happens until it gets hard, right? Because in the beginning, it's easy, like discovering, a new person is exciting and you know new bodies and activities all of that is easy it's when you uh start to see differences and start to um poke holes at the relationship you know when you realize that this isn't perfect that's when i think um love begins yeah and i mean i also think that what's really important in what we're saying is well two things one I think they can both exist. I actually know like one or two people that have long lasting, healthy relationships where it started with that initial feeling of like, you know, sparks and electricity and all the things. Um, so if you are somebody that's, that's found that, then hallelujah, you know, that's great. Um, but what I think it is also is I think it's important what kind of uh, relationship it is that you want to have. I think that's actually what you need to ask yourself because if you want a relationship where it's going to be built on sparks and passion um, and probably a little bit of drama and chaos mixed in there, um, fair enough if that's what you want. But understand that like in two, three, four years when naturally that starts to subside, and I'm not saying you can't have moments of that. I mean, I hope you would, right? Um, but when that stuff naturally starts to subside, when like reality starts to be um, your relationship, are you going to be able to tolerate it? Like, are you going to always be thinking that like, oh no, now something's wrong with the relationship because we're not like ripping each other's clothes off the second we walk in the door. Um, but I think it's about- Which is something that was my, more my belief in the beginning. And so because of that, and I think a lot of that also had to do with different love languages because Vanessa's not, love language isn't to, um, all the hard love language, one of them is touch. It's not words of affirmation. You know, she's not going to, um, um, whisper things in my ear and be like lovey dovey in that way because that's, that's not how she's wired. She shows love in different ways. Yeah. Um, so that's love lesson number two for me. So we each have one more. So what's number three for you? Oh my gosh, this is so hard to like call everything down into like bullet points. Um, 
I could I could help you and and I I could give them a little story to buy you some time. Okay. So we're looking at bed frames because we have a really um, we just you know moved in and we did a lot of stuff, but we haven't bought our bed frame yet. So we're um, sleeping on a bed that has uh, that's really high. So there's storage space on the bottom, but the bed frame is very slippery. It moves back and forth. And the other day I said, um, hey, uh, I said something obviously uh, sexual because I always do. Something about tying up Vanessa. And she said, okay, you could <laughs> you could tie me up if you buy me a new bed frame. No, what I said was the bed frame we have now is just like a metal frame on the bottom. So I said, because we were holding off on getting a bed frame. We were trying to, you know, like, does it make sense financially, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, one of the reasons I should tell you that we should get a bed frame is that if we have a frame with posts, you can then tie me to it. There's something to tie me to. And you perked up and we're like oh shit my, it seemed manipulation <laughs> yeah it seemed a little loaded that i could tie her up but i would have to buy a 1200 dollars bed frame in, <laughs> in order to do so um have you been tied up like that with one limb on each post is that new for you would that be new for like, you? like in a star yeah i mean that's a little i don't know about that no that would be new for me that feels well, well then when dramatic. you say okay if that's dramatic well how, why would you need the bed frame you still need to tie something. You need to tie. Oh, so just the arms, just the arms, or just the yeah. just the arms. The starfish seems a little extreme. <laughs> See, not for me. To me, that's when you say okay, tie okay. someone up. I'm thinking like okay. we're going into like serial killer. It's okay. Now. I'm buying we you just... more. You shouldn't be thinking about this. You should be thinking about well, your I number three. That. So my love lesson number three is, I don't know. I think it. it and look, there aren't just the only three that I have. But one of the third ones that I'm thinking is. Um, that if consistency for me, if consistency is something that is very important to you, and I know I'm not the only one that feels this way. So consistency to me means safety. Um, and safety to me is something that I need in order to open up and be vulnerable and communicate. Um, you have to ask for what you need communicate that specifically and you need to be consistent too so you need to show up consistently if you also hope to get consistency does that make sense i feel like i'm not making sense in that one. i'm trying to articulate something that's in my mind right now it isn't a totally formulated thought i have no more stories to buy you time and if i did you were gonna wave me off anyway so you have to continue i don't know i'm talking it out maybe somebody out there will make sense of what i'm saying but there's something in this idea of consistency for me that means love, that means safety, that means I'm able to open up, which is interesting because I I met somebody and fell for somebody who in the beginning didn't give me consistency, right? Give me ambivalence, which we've talked about. But when you say somebody, you're talking about me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm right here. Just say it was me. Um, so there's something in if you show up. No, I don't like where this is going. I don't think this is making sense. I think I'm stumped for my third one right now. My third one is that I'm learning uh, that love is uh, formless, that love is shapeless, that love, and this is why it's so hard to love, um, it changes as you change and your partner changes. So, you know, in a way, like, love is not um, definable. And so... Uh, there's this constant adapt, adapting to love, uh, redefining, 
uh, dancing with love. Uh, because the thing is that as humans, we're constantly evolving, growing, we're seeing things through different lenses. And so um, all of that impacts how we love each other. And so uh, love isn't like, you know, this contractual thing, and then it's dried cement, and that that's it, that's done. It's it's always like moving. It's always forming. It's always changing. Um, and I think this is what makes relationships so hard is that, uh, uh, that, that, that the love is always changing. Yeah. And if you're someone who is not pedaling your own bike, meaning, uh, not working on yourself, if you are someone who is, um, not evolving and growing or making effort, making effort to, uh, then the other person probably is. And, and this is why a lot of people, uh, quote unquote, outgrow each other. Mm-hmm. So, Love requires, uh, I think, two people to be um, on their inner journey, um, expressing it, communicating it. Um, and then it requires two people to constantly learn how to love each other. Yeah, I think it's Esther Perel, right, that says in a marriage, um, you're, you're going to be married to multiple people within the same marriage. And that has to be part of it, right? Like you have to be able to be okay with the fact that your partner is going to be multiple versions of themselves throughout your time with them and vice versa. <clears throat> I think that you and I were meant to meet because um, we are we are kind of forced to challenge each other. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of that I believe in for sure. Um, so my third, so here's three, not like my top three, but just three. Um, one that's coming up is having needs and being needy are not the same thing. Explain. So in previous relationships in my old world, whatever, before I kind of did a lot of this inner work, I truly believed that having needs made me needy. So, um, I was super independent. I was like the cool girlfriend. I didn't really need anything. I used to always talk about how low maintenance I was. Um, but really what I realized is that was just me, um, doing anything I could to keep the peace, to keep that person happy. Um, and at the expense of myself being human and showing up in my fully my full humanness. Um, and being a human means you have needs of, of another person that you're in a relationship with. And so if you hope to have any kind of real vulnerable, authentic relationship, you've got to be able to get in touch with what those needs are and then be able to communicate them to that person. Otherwise you're always just, um, it's surface. It's never going to be deeper. There you go, guys. Three love lessons. And of course, you know, we, we have more and we're going to have more as we learn and, and grow and uh, learn about love and, and ourselves. Uh, but there are three. And hopefully you have uh, many yourself. I think it's good to ponder what your love lessons are as you uh, either continue to build something with someone or um, find someone who uh, you want to invest in. Yeah. And I, and I think it's uh, interesting to think back and, and like, what have you learned on this journey? So like, what has each of these relationships actually taught you and how have you kind of grown more into the person that you want to be or hope to be um, your kind of more fully actualized self? Because I, I think that it's in that struggle, you know, in the struggle of failed relationships, we get closer to in the struggle of our life period, but in the struggle of our failed relationships, we get closer to our kind of highest self. And so what have they taught you? What are the lessons that have come out of those? 
Yeah. Well, guys, thank you for listening. And if you have found any of this dialogue uh, or any of our episodes helpful, um, we ask that you pass it along to a friend and um, follow us on what iTunes, where all the places where you could listen to this podcast. All the places, rate, review, rate, review. Uh, it just helps spread the message. Thank you for listening, people. Listen, if you are great at helping other people and you have a passion for that and you want to find personal freedom and level up the skills you already have, it's time to become a life coach. Journey coaching. When I became a coach, there was nothing like this out there. And so I developed this coaching training program alongside Noel Cordo, Journey Coaching. That's J-R-N-I. And it is amazing. It's 100% live. It's everything that I wish I had when I was starting out. Meaningful, evidence-based education, real people, real community, lifetime support, and business development, ICF certified. Just go to theangrytherapist.com, my website, and click on Become a Coach and explore the Journey Coaching Intensive. See you in class.